the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears Sweet land of liberty of the sins. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob Fratz. Normally, I would greet you with a hearty good morning and a welcome to Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. I cannot use the word good, words good morning today. Because this is a this is a dark morning. It is a dark day in the state of Ohio and in the United States of America. It's a very very dark time, and I want people to understand this is not temporary. This is not something that is a blip on the radar screen, and you can just kind of oh it went away. No, it is going to be ever present. It's the eighth morning of the eleventh month in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three. And it's time to um, confront some realities. Americans love abortion. Americans, by and large, absolutely love abortions. They care not about the pain and the suffering of the babies, they care not about the lives of the babies. 
they just want their convenient abortions, and no one is going to tell them otherwise. You need to understand how monumental what happened yesterday was in the state of Ohio, because it wasn't just the state of Ohio. Ohio became the seventh state to aggressively reject even the tiniest little restrictions on abortion. It joins, we join California, Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan, Montana, and Vermont. We have for decades continued to argue that abortion should be wiped out and should not be protected at the federal level because there's nothing in the Constitution that says anything about abortion. How can it be a constitutional right without being mentioned in the Constitution? Leave it up to the states, we said. So the American people, who, did I mention, really, really love abortion, said, deal. Let's do it in the states. And guess what? Now it is in the Constitution. Not the United States Constitution, but the state constitutions. Including of Ohio, Michigan, Vermont, and California. It's enshrined forever into our constitutions now. And not just the Roe version of abortion, but the most radical and extreme version of abortion. Anytime, on demand, for any reason, without apology, safe, legal, and rare has gone from extreme and I guess still legal, but common, frequent, all the time, whenever the living hell we want. That's what has happened. In Montana, they rejected a law that merely would have required life-saving treatment to be given to a baby that was accidentally born alive during an abortion. That lost by six points. 53 to 47. Did I mention? Americans love abortion. It's time for us to recognize this, that that we're not the majority, those of us who believe in the sanctity and the value of life. We're not the majority. We are a very, very overwhelmed minority. And we are finding finding this out more and more Every single day. And that means it's time to do more than just the old, hey, let's change the hearts and minds of the the pro-abortion crowd by telling them the truth about abortion. They know the truth. And they love it. Stacks and stacks of dead baby body parts filling up toxic uh, waste containers and put into dumpsters. Do not make them blink. They don't even look away. They are absolutely fine with it. 57 to 43 was our vote. 14 points 
almost identical to the 14 points that the issue, the special uh, election issue in August was defeated by. We needed August in order to raise the threshold to 60% to pass radical constitutional amendments like this. We couldn't even get within 14 points of that. And now we come out here in November, and it's an identical 14-point shellacking, which, by the way, also is an identical is identical to the 14-point loss on issue two. Because here's another universal truth that we have to recognize as conservatives as we continue to lose in this culture war. Just as Ohio, or excuse me, as Americans love their abortions, they love their weed. Maybe it's because it helps them get out of the state of consciousness that the rest of us live in so that they don't have to acknowledge the barbarism that they are greenlighting in so many other areas of our culture. Maybe being high makes it a little bit easier to take. I don't know. All I have are the results. And the results say Americans love drugs and they love dead babies. And there is nothing that we can do to change that. The only thing we can do now is head to the courts. Yesterday was a referendum not just on abortion. Yesterday was a referendum also on conservatism versus wild, radical, extremist progressivism. Not liberalism, but progressivism and leftism. There were races that were described yesterday as a national litmus test or a preview of what's to come in 2024. And the clear takeaway from this last night is that abortion is a winner for Democrats at the ballot box, and it's a liability, a huge liability for Republicans. You want more? Following a run of state-level victories for abortion access in Kansas, Kentucky, Wisconsin, and Michigan, Democrats continued that streak yesterday with ballot initiatives around the country, including the one here in Ohio, but also... Though abortion wasn't directly on the ballot in Kentucky and and Virginia, they had elections in both states that delivered massive Republican losses and Democrat gains following campaigns that were featuring abortion as the central issue. Virginia's legislative elections yesterday wouldn't typically garner significant uh, voter turnout. It's kind of an off-off year, if you will, for them. But all 140 seats in their Commonwealth's uh, uh, General Assembly were up for grabs. 140 seats. The governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, who, uh, who, who won the uh, gubernatorial race in 2021 and, and, and was so popular that it sparked early you know, thoughts about him maybe even running for president, even as a late kind of dark horse candidate. But he barnstormed across the state campaigning for Republicans to take full control of the General Assembly. And he used abortion as one of his centerpieces. He used a 15-week proposal as one of the centerpieces, saying, give Republicans control of the General Assembly in Virginia, and we will deliver 
on abortion will have a uh, a 15 week amendment uh, or a 15 week law rather that everybody will be happy with. How did it work out? Not only did Democrats retain control of the state Senate they already held, they took back control of the House. They took back control of the House. They have a 51 to 47 majority now. That was a referendum on abortion and on conservative principles. Yunkin was tapping into the anger and the frustration when he won in 2021 that parents felt about COVID and about school lockdowns and about you know school uh, uh, indoctrinations and things like that. So he had a bit of a mandate, kind of a small mandate, mandate, but a bit of a certainly enough momentum to ride into this one, saying let's continue to fight for the rights of parents. He made more than 100 stump appearances for candidates around the state of Virginia and was destroyed, destroyed in the results of the, um, of the uh, uh, legislative elections. He made abortion the centerpiece of his messaging, pushing that 15-week ban with exceptions for rape and incest and the life of the mother. He hoped he could you know, kind of find that mark in between that both parties could coalesce around. But what we found out is what? What did we learn in the opening remarks? Americans love abortion. They want no restrictions, not moderate restrictions, not agreeable compromises with the pro-life crowd. Let's go to 15 weeks. At least let's not let the baby suffer. At least let's make it at the point where they're pain capable. After that, we can't have it. No. No restrictions. Americans Love abortion. Today, Ohioans made clear that abortion is a winning issue, said Lauren Blovelt, co-chair of Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights. Abortion is a winning issue. Pro-choice groups raised triple what the pro-life groups did in the home stretch of the campaign and outspent us by tens of billions of dollars. And as I said, I'm not going to point the finger of blame at anyone, anybody for that because they have a product to sell. They can sell abortions. Any money they spend on ads, they make back by killing babies in brutal and barbaric manners. We had no such product to sell. This is not pointing the finger of blame at anybody for not spending enough on the, the uh, no on issue one ads. This is a recognition that no matter how many ads we would have run saying this is bad, this is barbaric, this allows it until birth, they didn't care. They said, yeah, so? So it's allowed until birth. That's what we want. Keep your hands off our bodies. Yesterday's results continued pro-choice groups' victories from earlier this year. Not just in Ohio, but again, around the country. To let you know how bad things are going in this country for conservatives, Kentucky is about as deep red as it gets. Donald Trump won Kentucky by 25 points. And yesterday, they reelected their Democrat governor. A deep red state rejected the first black attorney general uh, Daniel Cameron, who was running for governor as a Republican, in favor of Andy Bashir, a left-wing Democrat in a deeply red state. 
What do we do? Patrick Brown, a pro-life advocate and a fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, said last night, got to change tactics, got to change messengers, got to change strategy, got to change something. When abortion is on the ballot, we are getting creamed at the polls. And it's not even especially close. End quote. He is not wrong. Americans love abortion. Americans love dead babies. Americans love the freedom to do whatever the hell they want to do to other people. And they do so proudly. They celebrated. They cheered last night. They didn't say, okay, this is what we were hoping for, uh, the right to make our own decisions. This is not an easy thing for us to do. No, they threw parties. And they celebrated and they cheered the fact that young girls can get raped and then taken to the abortionist by their rapist, pay for the abortion, and have mom and dad none the wiser. They cheered the fact that young boys and girls can now say, I want my puberty blockers. Don't make me go through puberty. I am not a boy. I am not a girl. And you can't make that decision for me. Mom, dad, the law says so. And they cheered this. Jason Whitlock, who does commentary for The Blaze, said it well. We foolishly believe we have evolved past our ancestors, our founders, the people who lived 200 years ago. Wildly cheering the legalized murder of unborn babies is a level of Satan worship that cannot be matched. Those doing the cheering in so many of these venues last night make the bloods and the crypts look like Boy Scouts. End quote. Former U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania and Republican presidential candidate Rick Santorum, an ardent abortion opponent, went on Newsmax last night and laid out some of the ugly truth. Remember, this, these elections, off-year elections, odd-number elections, are very low-turnout elections. They are base elections. And uh, the Democrats have traditionally, number one, outspent us, not just in odd-number-year elections, but generally speaking. Number one and number two, their base is more ginned up to go out and vote generally than Republicans. That's, we've seen this now for the last several years. And so a base election, they uh, Democrats outspend, and you put very sexy things like abortion and marijuana on the ballot, and a lot of young people come out and vote. It, 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 was, a, it was a secret sauce for disaster in Ohio. I don't know what they were thinking, yeah. but... Um, that's why I'm, I, I thank goodness that most of the states in this country don't allow you to put everything on the ballot because right. pure democracies are not the way to run a country. <laughs> pure democracies are not a way to run a country. More specifically, pure democracies are not a way to run this country because this country was not founded as a pure or direct democracy where the people vote on every radical idea that they think. This country was founded as a republic. What did Benjamin Franklin say? What do we have here? A republic, if you can keep it. 
it's a representative republic where we're supposed to do things through the revised code, the U.S. code, the Ohio revised code, where things can be repealed, changed, and amended at the legislative level through the legislative process by which this country was founded. Not on direct democracies appealing to who's got the most money to buy the most votes and how can we pair things together like, hey, weed, without getting arrested, paired with dead babies. He's right. It was a recipe for disaster. It was the secret sauce that was a disaster yesterday. So now comes the time of reflection. Now that we have to acknowledge that America just flat out loves abortion. When abortion is on the ballot statewide or nationally, Democrats win. They win seats. They win referendums. They win. Pro-lifers lose at every turn when abortion is on the ballot. What do we do? Do we surrender and say, okay, they win, dead babies for everybody? Do we continue the same losing path that we have been on and say, no, we're going to continue to fight? This is wrong. This is a moral outrage. Every life is sacred. They don't care. They love abortion. It speaks to the secularization of our society and our country. We have removed God We have removed faith. We have removed family. We have removed family values. We have removed respect for life. We have done this in this culture, in this time, with these current generations. That's what we have done. And now how can we possibly undo it? They have a taste for blood now. It's kind of like a great white shark attack near a beach. They find a taste for humans. They know it's an easy source of food. They come back and back and back again. Democrats have found there is a taste for abortion in the general populace. It's not particularly close. You want to win? Let's keep putting abortion measures on ballots. We're going to take your calls. We're going to talk to Tom Zawistowski coming up at 10 uh, 10, 10 this morning. We're going to talk to Congressman Max Miller coming up here in the next half hour uh, about a couple of different things, including the one decent piece of good news last night, the censure of a terrorist sympathizer in the United States House of Representatives. And we're going to try to... Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob Frantz and the answer... One other point I would just make, because on the issue of abortion in Ohio tonight, we continue the losing streak in the pro-life movement. Every ballot initiative has been lost post-Dobbs for the pro-life movement. As a party, Sean, we must, we must not just be a pro-baby party. That's a great thing. We must be a pro-mother party. We need a national strategy. We do. We do need a national strategy. Do you have one? There's Kaylee McEnany. She's right. It is a losing streak of biblical or, considering the topic, anti-biblical proportions. Every single referendum on uh, abortion at the state level since Dobbs, we have lost. 
Americans like dead babies. I don't know any other way to say that, and you better confront it as you try to find this quote-unquote national strategy. When they are saying, we don't need any more reasons to compromise, we don't have, a, we don't have to consider the pro-life side, they can't touch us. They can't beat us. Why would we agree to a 15-week minimum? Why would we agree to 20 weeks? Why would we agree to anything when we win every abortion fight in which Americans vote? They have no reason to change. They have no reason to alter their strategy and no reason to come to the table with us. They just say, bring it on. Let's go to the ballot boxes. And they win. So we're open for ideas at 216-901-0945. I've been asked to play the pledge because they did not play the pledge in the open. Seth just said to me something that I was also trying to find a way to say. I don't know what country I'm pledging allegiance to when I do this right now. I don't. Our country, our glorious republic, is feeding children pornography at a rate that has never been before seen. We're feeding children pornographic imagery in their schools, pornographic literature, access to porno- pornography on their, uh, on their phones and on their devices for free without any safeguards whatsoever. We're feeding them division and hate in the form of indoctrination on critical theory. We're feeding them misinformation on what human biology is and what mental psychological conditions are and what social contagions are. We're feeding them al- through algorithms on their devices, on their TikToks and on their Instagrams. We're feeding them anti-American and anti-family messaging. We're feeding them anti-Semitism. We're feeding them pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas terrorism. We're feeding our children that babies' lives don't matter. That babies' lives don't matter. This is what we're feeding this youngest generation right now, every day. And it's not little by little. It's from a fire hose. That's what we're giving them. What nation are we pledging our allegiance to right now? I'm going to do our Pledge of Allegiance because I have to believe that the greatest force for good in the history of human civilization, which is how I've always described this country, will find a way to embrace good once again, the good, the true, and the beautiful. I just don't know what that way is right now. I have to believe that something as glorious as this great republic can right itself. But we're looking for the answers. While we look, let's maintain our patriotism. Let's maintain our loyalty to that flag and the nation that it does represent. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 216-901-0945, Roz is on the line in Cleveland. Roz, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go ahead. Hello. I said it in August, and I'm saying it about November. We did not get the message out. All we did is talk about how bad abortion is. 
right up through yesterday, everybody thought that it was a yes or no on all abortion. It was go- If we voted no, the heartbeat bill was going away, and it was going to be no abortion for any reason for anyone. So what did those with the money do? They advertised on WHK. I'm glad they got money. And they never confronted the lie. Well, Why do we I, lose I, time and time again? Because we don't fit the message. I'm going to I'm going to respectfully disagree with you, Roz, because we did confront the lie over and over and over. But we were outspent. Hold on, Roz, 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 Roz. I want to Roz, Roz, you got to calm down and you have to let me talk a little bit. Okay, we'll go back and forth here. Don't talk over me, please. They have thirty five million dollars that they spent on this. Most of the money coming from outside of Ohio. And uh, and and that was able to fund the repetition of those lies. They were they were pushed by the ACLU. They were pushed by teachers unions. They were pushed and funded uh, by by George Soros. They were pushed and funded by Planned Parenthood. We when I say we the pro-life movement and, and that I'm sure you're a part of did everything we could to refute and rebut those lies. But we don't have enough money to match them ad for ad because we don't have those types of massive resources that they do. We didn't need to. We didn't. What we needed to do was advertise on their station with what the truth was. We, we, Okay, you, you, you're literally just saying to do what I said we didn't have the money to do, to which is to advertise on Why all not? of their stations and match them. They I have just to charge it. us to say, where's the lawsuit? Where's the lawsuit against those that wouldn't let us on? Nobody said they wouldn't let us on. You're, you're not, you're not, you're, I think you're letting your anger get in the way of your understanding here, Roz, no. and I get this. But, but no, it's not that they wouldn't let us on. I'm telling you. Ads cost money. We didn't have $35 million. We don't have Planned Parenthood in our corner. We didn't have George Soros in our corner. So you're saying we should have advertised. We did advertise what we could advertise, we on the pro-life side, but we're never going to be able to outspend them. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you're not understanding what I'm saying. No, I think I am, Roz, and I appreciate your call. I'm no, going to get some see what other people how, think right now. Okay, thank you for the call. I'm going to see what other people say. You're repeating yourself, and you're not you're not you're not offering anything new to the conversation. Let's see if Ron does in Middleburg. Ron, go ahead. Hello, Bob. Hello, Ron. Uh, it's it's knowing knowing the baby is when you make the decision. If you don't know the baby, then all you have is your immediate pleasure to decide. Well, this will this will won't be pleasurable having a baby and raising a baby. So you you might choose abortion, but if you know that baby, when that baby lays on that mother's chest, and that feeling of bonding occurs, that woman would would regret would never decide uh, to abort that baby after that bonding has occurred. But it's just too easy to get rid of the unknown because that baby doesn't have personhood, doesn't have a bond when it's in the womb. And for some mothers, it does. But for many, it doesn't, and they just want that control. Well, I think you're right. Um, and personalization, though, is out the window here when we're talking about policy. But but I, you're right, Ron. Um, this is one of the reasons why, and thank you for the call, good sir. This is one of the reasons why we partner often with Preborn, which is uh, the organization that helps raise money to provide free ultrasounds to women who are considering perhaps aborting their, their baby. Um, you know, the ultrasound, you just said when a mother knows the baby, um, 
you know, they, they don't want to kill it. And you're right. And the ultrasound is oftentimes the way that a mother knows the baby before the baby is born and is able to lay on her chest, as you say. Uh, she, you know, that child is still in the comfort of her womb, but when she can see it and, and when they show the heartbeat and, and all the other different things, I think the number is 85%. We do a, we do a preborn campaign every year. Uh, 85% of the women who see their baby in an ultrasound go on to make the decision to have that child. All of the women at risk see that baby and it does make them quote unquote, as you just said, know their baby and they do make that decision for that good reason. So thank you. It's a great point, Ron. I appreciate it. I'm told we do have now at 945 our planned guest. He is Ohio's seventh congressional district representative, Congressman Max Miller, joining us on AM 1420. The answer Congressman. Good morning, sir. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing well. I want to talk about the good news of last night's vote, which I'll let you break uh, to everybody. I know this was instrumental for you. We talked last week about a a, a separate vote on this matter. But I, I of course, have to start with the disappointment uh, here in the state of Ohio for people who believe in life and believe in the sanctity of life. Uh, Issue 1 and Issue 2 both were defeated, or excuse me, both passed overwhelmingly. Our side was defeated. Your reaction? It's, It's another somber day. Uh, this is what we had been fighting for for 49 years was to protect life. And we finally got the, the end result that we wanted to at the Supreme Court. And we see that this fight is not going to stop, that it's just not, it's not going to end when it comes to the state. And we need to be just as passionate about life in the last 49 years that we've been fighting the Roe decision as we are now. And we need to see that same vigor. I'm not going to stop uh, fighting to protect life. And I believe that we need to work just as hard as the Democrats. And let's face it, balls and strikes, Bob. They beat us. That means they outworked us. It means they raised more money and they ran a better campaign. We need to look at ourselves in the mirror and do better to protect the unborn. And it's unacceptable. Yeah, I, I agree with every word of that. I, uh, I I wonder, though, whether it's just a matter of, you know, uh, being outworked. I just think there is a thirst. There's an appetite for abortion in this country because we lose every we have lost every single referendum in every single state since Dobbs. Uh, we have not won one yet. They, we said, let's take it away from the feds. Let's make it a state's rights issue. They said, OK, deal. Let's go to the states. And in the states, they are deciding they love abortion in every state thus far. And uh, that's what makes this uh, such a difficult thing to uh, to deal with right now. But Congressman Miller, well, the main reason you have a follow up. Go ahead, sir. Hey, I was just going to say, it just makes it almost impossible to accept and swallow, right? I mean, when you're talking about the sanctity of life and you're talking, I mean, I just had a child um, on Saturday, Bob. Uh, it was my, it was Emily and I, it was our first kid. Um, her name is Ruth Miller, and I, I couldn't be more honored to be a, a father. And to see something like that, it really does put things into perspective. You know, people talk about it all the time, but unless you have a child and you see that child, I, Bob, I could hold my daughter in my hands. And I could look at her for days. I could look at her for weeks. And I could look at her for years. Um, and it's something that, that we're going to have to continue to push for and fight for in Ohio. And I'm not going to stop. So thank you. Con- um, but Congressman, I wa- Congressman to hold on. We'll do that in a second. I just want to say I did see your post on that. And I want to give you and Emily the most hearty of congratulations. I feel bad in the in the cycle of news we're in right now with everything that has been going on. Every time I think of you and talk to you, it's about what's going on in, uh, in this country, what's going on in the Congress, what's going on in the Middle East, and so forth. So I want to apologize for not reaching out to you earlier and saying congratulations on fatherhood. Uh, God bless you. You are going to love every single second of it. Uh, so. it's, it's, and I'll, I'll stop it, but it's, it's so awesome. So I'll, I'll shut it, but it, it really is. It is a blessing. So. Okay, so last night, 234 to 188. Tell everybody what we did. 
Well, I'm extremely proud to say, and, and I know a lot of people last week gave me a lot of gruff. Um, and, you know, we introduced the new censure through regular order. I hopped on a privileged censure with Rich McCormick out of Georgia. And I'm proud to say that we got 22 Democrats to leave their own party to join the Republican Party and to make them look like the anti-Semites that they really are. So I'm proud to say that I believe 22 or 23 Democrats joined us, the Republican Party, for an appropriate censure that I helped write with Rich McCormick and Chip Roy out of Texas. And I couldn't be more proud to do so. And I think, Bob, this is a huge victory, more so than the last piece of legislation that was introduced by Marjorie last week. This is how it's done. And I'm proud to say that we got it done for the 7th, for the American people, and for the world, and the right way. Is the language in this, uh, first of all, congratulations, this needs to be done. This message to the world needs to be sent. It's why I gave you some of that gruff last week about the, uh, the, you know, the, the previous one. I wanted a message to be sent, so I'm so glad, and you're right about this. Is the language in this strong enough for you? I read yours. You wrote your own and introduced it, as you said, into regular order, um, and, and, and I thought it was very, very strong because it went back historically. This one, from what I'm reading in coverage, pretty much focuses on her repetition of the uh, anti-Semitic statement that from the river to the sea palestine shall be free is it more than that what can you say about this language i think the language is appropriate i think the language is what was able to get us the democrats to join us in the vote to be very clear and specific you know when we work on censures and resolutions and pieces of legislation we want to include other people right we want to get as many votes as we can and throughout this process you know we were working uh, say with the Democrat Josh Gottheimer on the other side with language, because he's a Jewish Democrat out of New Jersey who thinks from the river to the sea is a genocidal comment, which it is. So it, it is. was more strategic. It, yeah. And it was more strategic to get Democrats to finally acknowledge that they harbor, you know, essentially, and I'm going to say a very strong word, Arab Nazis, because that's what they are to a certain extent uh, when they push this rhetoric and continue to stand there on the House floor of the United States and say from the river to the sea, Bob, that's not an aspirational quote from the river to the sea. That's an aspiration to kill every single Jew inside of Israel. That's what it is. That's their aspiration. That's what they want to do. Make no mistake. So is the language where I would have wanted it? No. But is the gentlelady uh, from Michigan censured uh, in less than 30 in the entire uh, Congress? She is. And she's going to go down in history as a bigot and an anti-Semite and won't be remembered kindly. Yeah, and and more more specific. And by the way, I want to let our listeners know we may be interrupted by an EAS test here in a moment. It's not something in our control. It's run by the state of Ohio. So if we get interrupted, don't think they're trying to silence Congressman Miller. This is scheduled. We just have to deal with it. Uh, and don't hang up, sir, if you would, um, because I, I want to hit that last part. Not only is she anti-Semitic, she'll go down that way. She, she's a terrorist sympathizer. I want that to be very clear. When she refuses to condemn terrorist barbarism, which she did multiple times when asked by reporters uh, if she condemns the beheading of Jewish babies, and she refused to say a word. Then she stood yesterday uh, in that uh, at that podium, crying, and oh, Palestinian lives matter as much as other lives. Well, what, what do you mean? Apparently, you don't think other lives matter at all. You were asked to condemn the murder and the torture of babies who happen to be Jewish. You wouldn't say a word, but now you're going to break up and get all emotional over Israelis responding to that by by going after the people who tried to kill them. Yeah, she has no compassion. And in what she cannot separate or bifurcate is the difference between Palestinian people and Hamas, right? They're two separate things. And people in this country have misconstrued the Palestinian people for Hamas, right? They're two separate things. But everyone, including Rashida Tlaib, who, you know, 
is a Palestinian woman and the only one in Congress, but standing up for her people, she is supporting Hamas as a terrorist sympathizer. So I completely right. agree with you. And, and look, I believe strongly that members of this body, they should be able to speak their mind freely. But I also think there should be consequences if you incite violence. And I want to be clear. There was a Jewish man killed in California two days ago because a pro-Palestinian protester didn't like what he had to say. And this person threw a megaphone at his head. He died, Bob, right? If that, and I'm just going to say it falls in strikes. If that was any other minority within this country, there would be riots that would be in every major city throughout this country. But because he was a white Jewish man, no one cares. That's the reality of where we are, and it's incredibly upsetting. And we're doing everything we can to fix this and to get rid of hateful rhetoric, period. Spoken perfectly by Congressman Max Miller. Tonight, Congressman, you're going to talk directly to your constituents in a, in a telephone town hall, and I am very, very honored to be a part of that tonight. What do you want to tell us? Yeah, and, and I just want to say to all the listeners, I'm very honored uh, that Bob France is going to join us for a telephone This is a statewide test of the Ohio Emergency Alert System, originating from the State Emergency Operations Center in Columbus. This is only a test. The Ohio Emergency Alert System is designed to provide the public with timely warnings and emergency information. Had this been an actual emergency, you would have received instructions and information related to that emergency over this and other stations in your area. This concludes this test of the Ohio Emergency Alert System. Okay, Congressman Miller, we did hit, get hit by that EAS as uh, predicted. So uh, let's uh, pick back up where we left off there. You were just telling us about the town hall event tonight. What do you want your constituents to know? Yes, uh, Bob France, uh, who's on with me right now, and I'm on with you, and I'm your guest. He's going to be my guest this evening at our telephone town hall tonight at 6 p.m. Please register at maxmiller.house.gov or dial in at 6 p.m. The number is 877-229-8493. The PIN is 122256. I hope that everyone listening will join us this evening with Bob. And you'll have the opportunity to ask me any question that you would like. And I look forward to being direct with the constituency and answering everyone's questions. And just thank you for having me on, Bob. It's been an honor. And let's uh, get rolling with the day. Very much looking forward to tonight. Congressman Max Miller, thanks so much. Congratulations on the censure last night. We'll talk again tonight. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. That's Max Miller. He had a committee meeting that he had to get to starting at 10 o'clock, so we were really worried about what that EAS was going to look like, but there it was. We got through it, and uh, we'll give that number out again uh, uh, several times today so that you can be a part of that telephone town hall tonight. Max Miller uh, is going to be talking to his constituents, taking your phone calls. I am going to be just kind of there as a moderator to facilitate the discussion between the uh, questioners and Congressman Miller, so it's an honor to be asked for that. excuse me, to be asked to participate in that, and I look forward to it. So that'll be tonight at 6 p.m., and I'll give you that phone number out again that you can be a part of, or as you just heard, you can also register to be a caller uh, uh, at the uh, at the website. So we'll give you all that information as we continue. All right, it's uh, 9.56. So we go from the um, good news of uh, a responsible act taken last night by the House of Representatives in censuring a terrorist sympathizer back to the bad news and the realization that Americans really love abortion. 
And Ohioans are no different. 13-point victory, almost 14-point victory for abortion on demand up until the moment of birth and no parental rights granted whatsoever for minors. Tom Zawistowski is the uh, president. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Hour number two now underway at six minutes past 10 o'clock. It's a Wednesday. It's the aftermath, the morning after, if you will, the uh, eighth morning of the 11th month in the year of our Lord, 2023. My friend Dave Paz texted me shortly after we did the pledge or right when we were about to do the pledge and I was talking about the difficulty right now and trying to recognize the country we were pledging our allegiance to given the current state of things and this really just wildly hard left turn this country has taken in a number of ways um we have I've got so many different theories as to why that is, by the way. But anyway, recognizing this hard left turn we've taken taken, and what kind of a country we're pledging our allegiance to, my friend Dave texted me and said, months ago I asked you the same question. Is the pledge aspirational? Because it's certainly not factual. Liberty and justice for all? And boy, when you break it down that way and you look at it that way, um, I get it. He's not wrong. He's not wrong to ask the question. He's not making a statement. He's asking a question, and it's a fair one to ask. Given what we are witnessing with this wild, radical left turn we have taken, embracing the secular over the faithful, embracing radicalism over over um, family values, embracing extremism, over reasonableness. I mean, all of these things that we are seeing happen right now, embracing indoctrination over education, embracing overt sexualization over, uh, you know, chastity. And that's not to say that everybody has to be, live like Puritans, but, but the radicalism that we have embraced that has led us to this place right now in this country, uh, it's true. I mean, are we the country that we, we have always been or that we thought we were? Um, is the Pledge of Allegiance aspirational, Dave asks me, or is it factual? And um, I think he's, it's a very fair question. We don't have justice, you know, and, and liberty and justice for all anymore. Clearly, the unborn, the preborn, just found that out yesterday. There's no justice for them. There's no liberty for them. There's no life, liberty, nor pursuit of happiness for them. They don't even get the first part. They don't even get to have the life. So we're looking for some answers, and we're looking for some reflection, and we're looking for some introspection, too. We have to look at ourselves to find out how we let it get this way and what can be done about it. Uh, Our friend Tom Sawasowski is on the line now. Tom is the president of the We the People Convention, also the Portage County Tea Party uh, founder and leader there as well. Tom Z, it's good to have you back. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bob. Thanks for having me on on this uh, kind of solemn day, without any doubt. Yeah, it is. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm trying not to be a Debbie Downer or a Gloomy Gus or whatever goofy name you want to call it, but I, I feel very, very defeated right now. I don't believe we will be defeated in the end, but 
I said this last night on a podcast that we were doing, uh, Tom, you know, we lost a very, very big battle in the overall war for America's soul yesterday, and I think we have to recognize that before we can come back from it. Well, you know, for sure we have to accept the facts, right? We, you know, it's, 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 we live in reality. We're, we're adults. I think, you know, the two words you just said are really important, uh, war and battle. We are in World War III, whether we like it or not, and it's global, and it's, and it's for the very fate of our nation. But this was a battle, and in war, there are many battles. There are giant big battles, and there are little battles, but they all count towards the end. And so losing a battle, you have to, be, get, you know, you have to really look at it and learn from it and modify your, your tactics. I heard, you know, someone your, earlier you had mentioned talked about, we've got to, you know, change our tactics. We've got to change our messaging. We've got to, you know, just do better and be smarter. And that's what today is about. We, we need to just look at everything with clear eyes, you know, don't accept it, but, but learn from it and then say, okay, you know, let's rally and let's, let's find out what we can do to do better the next time. Okay. So before we talk about rallying and what we can do better the next time and the time after that, um, let's talk about what exactly happened yesterday. Were you surprised by the margin? First of all, were you surprised by the defeat uh, well, that we suffered? Of course, it was the passage or the victory, if you will, for issue one. Were you surprised by the margin, however? Um, you know, you and I had been texting all along <laughs> during this period, even starting back in August. And, you know, we just were behind the eight ball from the start. It, it just seemed like, you know, from the very beginning – uh, the people, you know, the polling showed that people really didn't understand what it was about, and that was intentional, right? I mean, the, the, you know, the strategy the left had was very good. The right an amendment that, you, you know, is, is so vague, it could mean anything. And then, and then deny it, it means that, they, that, you know, that it could mean, like, you know, loss of parental rights and things like that, and so confusion. And so I wasn't surprised that we lost. I thought it was going to be a really, a, you know, tough fight to win. The margin... I actually thought was about what, what we would expect. And what was, you know, really disappointing, as I pointed out in my press release this morning, was the, the apathy. I mean, when, 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 you know, 50% of the people in the state don't care enough about life to even go vote when you have a month to do so, and, you know, all kinds of easy ways to vote. I mean, how tough was it to vote, man? And, and to not do that, that's very concerning because we're, we're talking about life here not just some candidate or some policy. So, you know, those, that's my take on it from there. I'm disappointed in the turnout more than anything because I, I really believe that if, if you talk to Ohioans, the majority of them don't agree with this. But now a minority, 27% of Ohioans, have imposed this radical agenda, both for the marijuana and the abortion stuff, on the, the other 73%. I was with you all the way up until one of the last parts of what you just said when you said, I think if you ask the majority of people, they don't they don't agree with this. Um, I, I don't know that I can say that any longer. And here's why, Tom, I was talking about it in the first hour. This is this is the new norm. This is nationwide since the Dobbs decision and the overturn of Roe. We have lost every single abortion battle in every state that has held one. Ohio is now the seventh state to reject even a, a tiny restriction on abortion. I, I pointed this out in Montana, for example, which you, you kind of don't think of as being a blue state at all. They rejected a law that would simply require that the baby be given life-saving treatment if it happens to be accidentally born alive during an abortion. That was a six-point loss for something like that. 
even the tiniest of restrictions on anything having to do with a woman's quote-unquote right to choose is being uh, is being destroyed in ballots, uh, in ballot boxes, and in states all across the country, Tom. Yeah, and and that's a fact, and that cannot be denied. I do think a relevant you know fact though is that there the money. If you look at every one of those states, huge money advantage on their side with propaganda, and that's what their ads are. Their propaganda that's very effective. So when I say I don't think Ohioans, majority of Ohioans, agree with this. I think my reason is because they, didn't, they don't really know what it was. They don't know what it means. And so that's part of the problem we have is that, uh, you know, that we're, being, we're being gaslit in a way. I mean, I was really happy and proud of Max Miller in your previous segment and how strong he was about you know, the Israel situation and the censor last night. But, but take, for example, the pro-Palestinian stuff that we're seeing. Bob, that's not real. That is bought and paid for AstroTurf. And yet even my wife came in and said, Tom, I can't believe all these people in the United States are, are you know, for Hamas killing Israelis. They're not. The majority of people in America are not. This is a made-for-TV production to influence you. We, you and I, and every one of your listeners is living in a sea of lies every day. Joe Biden can't open his mouth without lying to us. So our problem is that we have to become much more effective at communicating. And, you know, we have to find, and I had, you had a great point in the beginning of the show about the fact that they have a product that's involved with this that generates the money they can use to promote this, and we don't. That's not insignificant. That no. was a really smart point on your part, and that's one of our fundamental problems. Tom, uh, and thank you for that, and I agree with you. We're talking to Tom Z, Tom Zawistowski, president of the uh, We the People uh, Convention. Uh, and, uh, Tom, you, you were talking about the turnout, and I want to talk more about the margin because it was 57 to 43, which is three under 60, and it goes back to August now. And I felt like that was where the real failure was. If we had gotten the 60% threshold, if we had treated that with the with the uh, the seriousness that it deserved, we wouldn't be sitting here lamenting that Ohio is now a pro-death state. Um, uh, can you, and I look back to that. And I was talking to Jack Windsor about it last night, too. I'm looking squarely in the eyes of Jason Stevens, the speaker, who slow-walked everything we could have if he had not played that ridiculous game back in January, could have had this on the ballot in May when there would have been a bigger turnout and a much better chance of passing the 60% threshold. We ended up going through the no more... Uh, you know, no more special elections. Oh, by the way, we're going to hold a special election in August. We, all of the, the cards were stacked against us. The entire deck was, and a lot of it was by our own leaders. I, Bob, you're 100% right, and I want to add another layer to that. When they finally did put it on the ballot in August, they excluded most of the liberty and patriot groups as far as what that amendment in August contained. And as you know, Many of our people were upset because they said you had to get you know, uh, signatures in all 88 counties when it used to be 44 counties. And they did some things that turned off the people that they needed to vote for it. And so in my press release today, that was the, the closing statement I made. Our group, We the People Convention, uh, is going to work to try to get an amendment passed, uh, either legislatively or you know, by you know, collecting signatures and putting it on the ballot, to raise the, you know, the, the level to 60% to 
to pass a constitutional amendment because it is really important to preserving our representative republic. And so hopefully we're going to get that done. I think I saw something from American Policy Roundtable from Dave Zanotti this morning where he kind of was talking about the same thing. So there are ways to fix this. But, Bob, if we don't fix it, we're on a road to on a very slippery slope to a very bad place where we're talking about direct democracy versus, which is what you saw last night, versus a representative republic. Our founders gave us a representative republic and not a direct democracy for very good reason. And we're in danger of losing that if we don't get this fixed. Yeah, and uh, to that point, I, I love Dave Zanotti and I love Rob Walgate. They're tremendous people and great patriots, but um, they were not our friends in August. They were not they our friends. They were not, they were not helping they us. 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 They, in fact, opposed the 60% threshold amendment, which, um, which again, I think has come back to bite us now. And one of the things that the left is very, very good at is being unified in their, in their efforts. Whatever their platform is, they all rally around it. There is very, very little uh, pushback from anybody. It's what we call groupthink. Uh, here on the right, yeah. though, we oftentimes we oftentimes run into conflicts with one another, and we pay a price. And I think this was one of them. Yeah, we're, it, our side is just simply hurting cats. You know, I've been doing this for fifteen yeah. years as a Tea Party, and it, it it just drives you insane. And even as you can tell from your callers, you know, we we have so many different opinions, and it's very hard, you know, to bring that all together and lead. And uh, and I think that part of the problem is that uh, we, we talk too much and don't listen enough, and, and we, we aren't humble enough sometimes, and I'm guilty of that as well. But, uh, but I do believe that, we, you know, we've shown in the past, I mean, we just saw it with the uh, House Speaker's race, you know, that nationally, you know, we, we came together, a lot of different groups, and, and fought to get Mike Johnson. Uh, you know, we certainly did it with Donald Trump uh, here in Ohio in 16 and 2020, which, you know, I was involved with a great deal. So we have a lot on our plate. And we have to learn from this, and we and we have to not keep making the same mistakes. And and we have to also, Bob, I think we have to find some things that we can agree on that the younger generations want. You know, we, we are very consumed with what we want, what we know what is right, but we're going to have to start talking to younger people and, and saying, okay, we disagree on these things, but what are these things that you are concerned about as a young person and what can we agree on and, and, and then say we're going to advocate for that so we can get them to start voting for us? You just can't keep saying, oh, they're stupid. They didn't learn. You know, we, you know the schools are indoctrinated. You just can't do that. We've got to open ourselves up to a conversation with them and find some common ground. And I think there is common ground. Well, I hope there is. <clears throat> I wonder sometimes if there is. And I wonder if there's any reason for those on the far left to seek any common ground with us or to seek any sort of compromise or negotiation because they seem to have it all right now. They are winning at the ballot box. They're winning on issues, ballot initiatives, races, uh, legislatures, and so forth. Look at what happened in Virginia yesterday. Uh, and and uh, in Kentucky, they still have a Democrat governor in a state that Trump won by 25 points. I mean, they're winning on their messaging right now. I don't know if they have any reason whatsoever to seek common ground with us. Um, yeah, I don't. I agree. I, I don't think there is any common ground. They they have to be defeated. Uh, these aren't Democrats. These are communists. These are Marxists. Yes. What they're what they're selling is destructive and deadly to our representative republic. So I'm focused not on them. I'm focused on the people who are just sitting on the sidelines. That's where mm-hmm. I think we've got to go. We've got to defeat these people. And and the way to do that, I think, is to engage a broader base of citizens. 
And, and I think that's where you're seeing with Donald Trump, right, in the middle of all this stuff where it seems like they're winning everything, which is really not true. Okay, and if people watch podcasts on Saturdays at WeBePeopleConsensus.org, you'll always see that there's many things you know that, that we're winning. You just don't hear about it. But Donald Trump is really important for people to look at because why is he winning in the polls, right? What, what is going on? Why are Hispanics, why are blacks, why are young people moving towards Donald Trump? Because he's listening and he kind of has his finger on the pulse. And, and he's, he's speaking the language they want to hear. Joe Biden is, is destroying our country, and that means personally hurting people. They're, they have less money in their wallet. They're, you know, they're having trouble with feeding their family. Their schools are crap, and they know it. You know, th- there's a lot of problems. We can find common ground, particularly with blacks and Hispanics, if we reach out to them and engage with their issues not always talk about our issues. I want to, Tom Z, president of the We the People Convention, I want to talk about um, ignoring all of those people. What I mean by that is, you know, we're sitting here thinking thinking about the presidential election. We're sitting here thinking about congressional elections and legislative and so forth. Um, you pointed this out in your press release this morning. Um, none of those people may matter anymore. If we're going to turn this country into a direct democracy or we're going to turn our states into a direct democracy, you wrote this, now that the left has successfully managed to legislate via constitutional amendment with the passage of Issue 1, we can expect them to repeat this process in every election going forward to impose their far-left agenda on Ohio and in other parts of the, the country as well. Um, Cal- this is what we mean by, you know, don't California my Ohio. Well, we have done it. We are now California without the good weather. We are California uh, in insofar as we're going to have, uh, you know, constitutional amendments and proposition this and proposition that or ballot initiative this and that because they don't have to go through the legislature anymore. Doesn't matter who the yep. governor is. We don't need your signature. We don't need your signature on what our representatives pass. And hell, we don't even need those representatives anymore. We will do it this way. And if they can outspend us, Tom, they can beat us every single time. That's a huge That's- danger. Oh, and, and add to that, Bob, why do they want to get rid of the Electoral College? To right. do it on a national level, right? Exactly about, correct. You know, Montana and, and, and you know, North Dakota. You know, we're going to do the popular votes to decide the president. That's exactly right. And so I've been saying, you know, for several months, I went on this theme of all that's necessary for evil to, pro- to win and to prosper is for good men and women to do nothing. That's our problem. Our problem is that good men and women have done nothing. And so Max Miller, who is a good man, did something. And, and when we went and voted for Mike Johnson for speaker, those are good men and women finally doing something. All of this can be stopped. All of this can be fixed. But we need the people we elect to do the right thing. And, and we're, we're going to face, and your listeners better understand, what we just went through yesterday you're going to have like 12 of those in the next 12 months. We're going to be fighting for our lives because you had Jim Jordan on on Monday. It was great because we, you asked him, well, what about if the Senate says we're not going to pass this Israeli bill that you've tied to, you know, taking the money from the IRS? And what happens if they come and say, well, we want Ukraine money, but we're not going to close the border? And Jim Jordan, I was thrilled to hear him say, well, we just have to say no. We're not going to do that. And he's right. What we've got to do now is back up Mike Johnson, the speaker, who finally is bringing some sanity to our government and saying, here's the deal. We don't have any money to just give away anymore. 
We're borrowing money. We have $1.7 trillion in debt this year, by God. And so, what? you know what, guys? You're closing the border. And if you won't vote for it and the government shuts down, guess what? That's tough luck. We're the House. We appropriate the money. Now, do we have that strength, Bob? You questioned Jim on that, and you're saying, you know, I saw somebody say, how many do we have in the House that will vote and, and hold the line? And, and I think it was uh, 35 people. But it's our country's at stake. Good men and women have to be uncompromising and doing what we need to do. And we haven't seen that in Ohio, and we haven't seen that nationally, but I'm praying that the tide is starting to turn. Tom, I've only got two minutes left here in the segment, but I want you to answer this. Which one is next, do you think? Going back now to what you wrote about uh, they're going to do this uh, going forward with every every single thing they want. They're going to use direct democracy. What's the next constitutional amendment do you think they will put up? Will it be gun rights or, or gun confiscation? Uh, will it be minimum wage? Will it be economic? What do you think they're going to target next now that they know they can win? Yeah, from what I understand, I think they might even try to do uh, the uh, minimum wage in the, in the primary in March. They may try to do that, and then I think they're going to do guns in November, in the, the November 24 election. I think they're going to try to do an amendment to, to restrict uh, guns in Ohio. Uh, they're, they're already collecting signatures. I mean, folks, this is not like just, you know, a theory. They're literally out collecting signatures to put the next ones on the ballot. And it's just going to be a matter of, you know, which ones they get done. Do when, we so. need to be collecting signatures, by the way, to repeal this amendment with another amendment? Do we, or is that the way to go, or is it in the courts? Is there anything that can be done legislatively or in the courts to stop what just passed by uh, uh, yesterday's uh, uh, referendum? I, I think, you know, uh, Jim Jordan answered that question for you a while back, I think in August. He said, we may have to put our own amendments on, you know, to start to change things. And I referenced that. The courts are going to be involved because all the vague language has to be litigated. You know, what, what, you know, what does it mean? Can I just take your child and, and put them through trans, you know, uh, you know, protocols without right. telling you? Okay. That's going to be in the courts. But How shall the word it, health be defined? The courts are going to have right. to define the word health. Right. But to fix it, we're going to need to have a constitutional amendment of our own. We're going to have to there do it, go. Bob. There you go. That's that's kind of what I said last night. I said, I hope somebody already has a draft written and they can, can go start getting signatures right now because we need to get it done sooner rather than later to try to minimize the damage done by uh, this. Uh, the both of those decisions. We're kind of ignoring issue two right now, which is not something to be ignored, but obviously issue one is so monumental. Tom Zawistowski uh, put a great press release out today. Uh, Tom, where can people sign up to get your... Uh, uh, your emails, your releases. Uh, you, if you go to wethepeopleconvention.org, right on the front, you can give us your email and text address. And if you want to see that release, it's at the ohiocitizenspack.org, ohiocitizenspack.org. You can read the full press release there. Tom, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you, Bob, for all you do. You got it. It's uh, 1029. We'll take a break here for news. We're guest-free the rest of the way, so we got about another 75 minutes that we can kind of pick up. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, 1037. Appreciate you being with us this morning. You know, I still have not yet said good morning since I started the broadcast. I, I deliberately avoided it at the beginning because it's not a good morning. It's a very, very dark morning in the state of Ohio. We are California now without the good weather. And I this it's been subconscious since then. I, I just have not said good morning. I keep coming back with, you know, we continue now. Uh, normally I would say good morning, 
But I just don't feel that way at this particular moment in time. Tom Z uh, raised a lot of very, very good points. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked him, and you can consider that and call me at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. And that was this question. Very simply, what's next? Now that they know the constitutional amendment route is a winner, because we foolishly let the opportunity to raise the threshold for that go by with the August Day special election, to raise it to 60%. Now they know all they, all they have to do is get enough signatures in half of the counties, 44 of Ohio's 88 counties, and then get half of the voters in even low turnout elections, half of them plus one, to, to change the entire complexion of the state of Ohio. The entire complexion is changed by going to direct democracy. We are not a direct democracy. We are a representative constitutional republic, but they are changing that now. Now that it worked for abortion, now that it worked for weed, what's next? Guns? Raising minimum wage to $20 an hour? Driving small businesses operating on very, very thin profit margins out of business? What radical crap will they come up with next by going straight to the Constitution as opposed to letting the Ohio representation in the General Assembly make the laws for us, which is the way it's supposed to be? What's next? What do you fear the most? 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. I do have more, by the way, on the censure of Rashida Tlaib, Sharia Tlaib. That is the one piece of good news to come from November 7, 2023, last night. We'll talk more about that in a bit. But let's go to your call. Cheryl is up first in Wycliffe. Cheryl, thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead. Thanks, Bob. Um, I just want to say this. I woke up this morning, and my thought was, is... um. When the people put Jesus on the cross, correct, they all mocked and laughed and spat at him, correct? They did. They had a field day. Um, So this is no different than the vote that passed. They all laughed and rejoiced when it passed. So when Jesus was on the cross, his very words were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is what we should be praying. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The shedding of innocent blood has been since the beginning of the book to the middle of the book to the ending of the book. And therefore, I want to say and leave you with it. Satan is very nefarious. And he is the father of all lies. And to that I say, have a blessed day, and we need to keep our country in fervorous prayer and ask God to forgive us all of our sins. Have a blessed day, Bob. Thank you, Cheryl. God bless you, too. It's hard to say this after that passionate remark, particularly the blessing at the end, but I'm going to respectfully disagree with Cheryl on one important point. When Christ on the cross beseeched his Father, our God, to forgive them for they know not what they do, 
I think he was right. After all, he was Christ. Of course he was right. Most of them did not know he was the Christ. They didn't believe him. They, they, they thought he was just some false prophet. And he was ginning up anger, and he was causing problems for the Romans, and he had the entire nine yards, and forgive them, they know not what they do. They don't know that they are literally crucifying you know, your son, Father. And they didn't. The few that did, of course, opposed the idea. But, but they did not know what they were doing. I don't think that applies to yesterday. I think every voter in Ohio that voted yes on issue one knew exactly what they were doing. How can I say that? Because they didn't have empirical proof of Christ's divinity at the time. We have empirical proof of what abortion is. We have videos. We have photographs. We have sonograms. We have ultrasounds. We have science. We know exactly what it means to abort a living child. We know what it means to tear it limb from limb. I posted videos of animated graphics of exactly how it's done, narrated by the abortion doctors who do them. We knew what was going on yesterday. They know in all of the other states where they have approved abortion on demand since the, the Dobbs decision. They, we, they knew in Virginia yesterday when Glenn Youngkin went around the state for the last couple of months trying to tell everybody to help uh, vote a, a, a full Republican majority into the um, uh, into the Commonwealth's uh, uh, General Assembly, and and then we will uh, we will make common sense restrictions on abortions. And they said, hell no! Not only did they not flip the Senate from Democrat to Republican, they stayed Democrat. They flipped the the House from Republican to Democrat to avoid that. They know what they do. They know they kill babies. They know they take life, and they do it anyway. So that's kind of. That's kind of the only place I will disagree with Cheryl on in that comment or in that call. But um, but I absolutely agree with her that we need to continue to keep this nation in, in our prayers and beg for some sort of relief from God. God gave us free will to make our own decisions down here, and we're making them. And um, the only solace, I tweeted this last night, too, the only solace I will take from watching the pro-baby killers um, celebrate their 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 you know joyous victory last night. The only solace I can take is knowing that God is watching them while they do it, and that while we may not see God's justice being delivered here, uh, take solace in the fact that it will be delivered at some point. That's the only way I can end that. Avon is our next stop. Lois, uh, thank you for waiting. You're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob, and thank you for all that you do and all of our politicians that are on the right side. My comment is, it's all about the language. Ever since this started, it's always called abortion. Abortion, abortion, abortion. Abortion is murder. Okay, uh, so so you're just talking about the language. We got to call it what it is, and I don't disagree. By the way, it's one of the reasons why I have been so ardent and 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 uh, 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 adamant about about calling it baby killing and calling the pro choicers what they really are, which is pro deathers, the opposite of life being death, not choice. Uh, so I agree with you. Call it murder. Call it death. Call it what it is. They are literally causing life to 
to end, uh, whether they can see that child or not, should be irrelevant to the conversation. It is a child. It is a baby. It does have its own unique brain and heart and central nervous system and DNA pattern, and it's its own entity. And when they talk about the my body, my choice thing, they're obviously excluding the body of the child. They're out there killing people in the streets. That's called murder. Yes, it is. Yes, They're it getting is. away with it. You kill somebody in the streets, or you kill somebody in a in a in a clinic, in a in a in an abortion mill. Um, what's the difference? Death is death. Lois, thank you. I appreciate your call. God bless you. Um, let's go to Tony in South Euclid next. Tony, go ahead. Yes, uh, Tony in South Euclid. Yeah, um, I got a lot of things to say, but I'm, I'm narrowing it down as I've been listening. The woman just on made a good point. <laughs> that it is the vocabulary and you know we know it's wrong i know it's wrong in my heart i know it's wrong in my heart i don't know i don't know if i want to call it murder but i if that's what the state of ohio is calling it that's the united states is calling it then we call it that but the, the problem is is that these people that are against abortion are forcing it down women's or people's throats and if they could word it just a little bit different to the public and and not make it so it's forceful um what kind of wording what kind of wording are you looking for well murder and it's it's wrong and you hear this advertising all the time bottom line women it's a woman's body we know it's wrong but a woman has precedence i don't have a vagina you don't have a vagina a woman should really be the only person or the only the the only uh uh women should be the only ones uh voting on this so so you were so you were so you 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 were a yes vote yesterday i'm not going to say i'm going to a yes vote or a no vote okay i think you just made that very clear you 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 voted you're you're supporting you're supporting the quote-unquote woman's right to choose. So what I would ask you then is only only people with vaginas get to vote on whether or not babies are killed before they before they exit the birth canal? Is that, is, is that what I'm hearing? You're, you're using the word kill. You're using the word murder. I'm not using that. When I'm you stop, that. when you... Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I, listen. What do you call it when life is terminated? I'll let you pick the word. When life, which is in existence, is terminated, when a, when a brain is crushed, when a, when a heart is stopped, whatever you, however you want to view it, when the life of 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 the baby is ended, you pick the word, my uh, uh, Tony. You tell me how uh, what, what word would make that more more. Well, let me uh, let me appealing. first say this that I will answer that for you. When it's in a woman's body, it's not going to be called any murder or anything terrible. A woman has to make her choice. That's her choice. I would hope that she wouldn't make the choice. No, but you. Well, then, then you're fine. You then, no, 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 Tony. A, you can't. You know, you're equivocating because you're a coward, Tony. Be a brave man. Be, be. No, 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 Tony. Be courageous and answer the question. What do you call it, Tony? When life you. is ended. No, you didn't. You said a woman gets to I make did. her choice. You did not use a word. What do you call it when a life is intentionally ended? What do you it's call it? It's not life. It's not it's life. Not it's, life. No, it's not it life. Okay. Okay. So what? No, what? What? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let, let's let's explore that. Tell me. Tell me what quantifies life. 
after it comes out of the vagina. So, so prior to it exiting the birth canal, it's not life. When it does come through the birth canal, it is life. Tell me, what exactly, what state is it in while it's inside the mother's womb before it's, it's delivered? Well, that's what nobody can figure out yet, can they? Because that's why well, we No, no, they absolutely that. can. No, they absolutely no, they can. can. Sure they can. No. Medical science no, they... has proven it. Why do you think it is? Why do you think it is that in a cesarean section, they cut the woman, they, the, the, the baby doesn't go through the vagina. They cut the woman open, and they reach in, and they pull out what? A dead thing? Do they pull out a dead thing, or do they pull out a live baby, Tony? I'm telling you the same thing. You're having the problem because you... You're not telling me anything. You are not answering my question because you are a coward. You're a coward who supports infanticide. Tony, say it. Own it. If you want, Tony, if you want, if you want to say, or excuse me, if you want to support dead babies, say it, own it, be brave about it. That's okay. Be brave about it. Say it before God. Let God hear you say it out loud. It is black and white. There is life and there is death. Tony, 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 do you have, do you have, do you have the courage and the belief in your position strong enough to say, I believe. Say well, it, Tony. To I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm giving you, you answers. I'm giving you, you opportunities. To to Tony, can you please mute him while I'm talking? I don't have the ability to silence people who are talking over me. Tony, I am trying to have a conversation with you, and I'm asking you legitimate questions you refuse to answer. I said, what do you call it when life is intentionally ended? You don't want to use the word kill or murder. What do you want to call Okay, so he's gone. That's a that's a limitation here. We need to be able to, to mute the caller. You heard him. You heard him. It's not life, he said. So I said, okay. When they when they perform a C section on a pregnant woman, he said it's not a life until it comes out of the, the vagina. It's not alive. So when a C section is performed, which is how my second child was born. When that doctor made that incision and then reached in and pulled something out in Tony's world and in Tony's mind, the doctor would be pulling out something that's dead because it hasn't been born yet. It's dead. So, so if it's not alive when it is inside the, 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 the woman's womb, inside her uterus... How does it suddenly magically come to life when it reaches open air? What are you saying? That when it's inside, its heart does not beat? When it's inside the mother's uterus, the brain does not function? When it's inside the uterus, blood does not flow throughout its little body? When it's inside, it isn't playing and, 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 and you know looking at its fingers and touching itself and so forth. You're saying those things that we can see. With our own eyes, thanks to medical technology and science, through the magic of 4D ultrasound, you're saying that thing in there is not alive. It doesn't become alive until it's born, is what Tony is saying. I wanted to give him an answer, an opportunity to answer that, and he wouldn't do it. I'm trying to tell me it's not alive. Well, then how do they pull out non-living things and suddenly breathe life into them? You see, this is what we're dealing with. The previous caller to Tony, I think it was Cheryl, or no, Lois. I think it was Lois. 
Satan is the father of all lies. She's right. He's the father of all lies, the father of all deception, and he is touching the minds of millions of Americans by allowing them to lie to one another and to convince one another that the lies are true, that it's not really a baby, that it's not really a life, that it doesn't really feel pain, that the videos of of babies in utero dodging the instruments that are being inserted into their protective world to rip rip them apart, seeing them dodge and move, how are they doing those things if they're not alive? Satan has touched and has a very, very strong hold on the minds of a lot of these people. And I'm not trying to preach. I don't normally sit here and talk about good versus evil and and God versus Satan and so forth. It's not what I do on this program. But for goodness sakes, when people are going to make statements like that. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Fred on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, third and final hour of the morning is underway. It's the uh, it's eight minutes, at, eight minutes after 11 o'clock, as it is the eighth morning of the 11th month in the year of our Lord, 2023. So I want to finish my thought on what Joanne asked me prior to the break. Uh, because she was saying, you know, talking about everything that went wrong with respect to issue one and the election and uh, and the constitutional amendment passing and so forth. Uh, and she said she didn't think it was helpful to hear people like Molly Smith from A High Right to Life on so regularly on WHK because people here are already converted. She should be in other places. First of all, I don't know where else she was. I am going to be you know, I think reasonable about this and assume that they were uh, broadcasting and advertising those messages on multiple uh, radio stations around the state of Ohio, some in Cleveland, some in Columbus, some in Youngstown, Toledo, Cincinnati, some of the rural stations in between. I would hope that this was done in a lot of places because obviously every vote in every part of the state counts the same, right? So I'm sure that was happening. And she said, Joanne said that she thinks it was kind of pointless because here we already know everybody agrees. Two things you need to know. One about radio broadcasting, it's called broadcasting because of its reach, broad reach. As opposed to, for example, yesterday I come in the air telling everybody to use your your cell phones, your smartphones, and text five people uh, on your contact list to tell them to go vote no on issue one today. Remind them that you have to go vote today and tell them to vote no. That's narrow casting. It's one person reaching one other person. Broadcasting, you reach a lot of people with that signal. Not just the listeners who have the radio on, but people who hear the broadcast in other locations who didn't even turn it on. Moreover, 
And this is the bigger part for me. The reason why it was great to hear Molly's voice as often as we did. And, and that's because um, you learn more from people like her. You know, I think Joanne said, you know, it's like, well, is, there's a reason we, we already know this stuff. We listen to you. Well, what do you, why do you know what you know from me? Because I'm on all the time. And you listen all the time. And what is the goal of me talking to you? You're already converted. By, by, the, by the argument that we shouldn't have to hear people like Molly all of the time on this station because, you know, we already know how to think. We, you have to reach other people. Then by that argument, you wouldn't listen to me either. You just, I already agree with Bob. I already know what he has to say because I agree with him, so I'll go listen somewhere else. You listen to me, I hope. My goal every day, and I've talked about this before, a little inside baseball, just, you know, the way I the way I do my program and the way I strategize and the way I prep and plan for, it's not just to, you know, hear myself talk. It's to give things to you that you can take and give to others. I do the homework, or as my friend Norm likes to say, the push-ups. I do the push-ups. And I do the work to offer something to you that maybe you did not know or offer it to you in a way that you can better explain it to someone else so that it does go from broadcast from me to you and then narrow cast from you to other people. Molly offered a lot of extraordinarily factual information in those commercials that ran over the course of the last couple of months leading up to this election. She offered information that a lot of people didn't understand. She explained what was wrong and false and, and, and um, what was a lie in the advertising of the pro-issue one side, and she did that in her commercials that were bought and paid for so that people could hear them and say, oh, well, I mean, you know, yeah, you already are, are, are against issue one, you're already pro-life, you're ready to go, but do you have information that you can use to convince somebody else to vote no on issue one? Molly provided that. On a regular basis, it shouldn't just be like, well, here's another pro-life commercial. I already already, already agree with that, so I'm going to tune it out. It ought to be, how is she phrasing it? How is she wording it? What is she using right now that I can use to convince somebody else? That's what this, this whole medium is about. And that's why you listen to a program like mine, or you listen to Dennis Prager or anybody. I mean, hopefully we're, we're not just filling the airwaves with noise. We're filling it with information that it can help you understand something in a better way so that you can then understand it or excuse me explain it and make someone else understand it as well that's kind of the way i approach this like i said I, and that's one of the reasons i also when i do the national shows and i do gorka or prager or, or hewitt or anybody else and i say i like to talk to the national audience why because in addition to ex- educating or explaining things to them in ways that i think are very important based on my own research my own push-ups my own homework um i can learn from them and it happens. It happens on this program, too, on the local level. I get people who teach me things that I can use to better explain to other people. It's a kind of a two-way street. So we don't just, you know, hey, I don't want to hear that because I already agree with that. Go tell, tell somebody else who doesn't agree. No. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what Molly, listen to whomever it is we're talking about is saying. And then find a way to reformat and rephrase those words to share them with somebody else. Maybe information you didn't know. I can tell you this. My wife and I were talking just two nights ago, Monday night, to the, the night, the night before the, the election. We were a TV. Uh, we were eating dinner, and the TV was on in the other room. We heard one of the the, the lies about um, it was the one about Ohio's extreme anti-abortion law, the the ban, an abortion ban. They called it an extreme abortion ban, which of course is the heartbeat law, which is which has no exceptions 
for uh, rape or incest. And I muttered to myself and to my wife, they're so freaking bad. They're lying. And she said, what do you mean? I said, that's a lie. There are exceptions. She said, well, then why don't they run commercials saying that? And I said, they do, but they can't run them on a 24-7 loop. And they don't have enough money to match the other side commercial for commercial. So we're trying to get that message out there in as many forums as possible. But she said, she said to me that all of the people that she knows, women at her work, think that if the issue one is defeated, that there will be no abortion for anybody for any reason at any time, that the Ohio's most restrictive abortion ban will outlaw abortion altogether with no exceptions of any kind, rape, incest, or, 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 or anything. And I said, well, are they paying attention? Are they listening? And the answer is not obviously to the right places because they're seeing those commercials, but they're not hearing from the other side. Well, where can they get it then? They get it from you. You get it from Molly. You give it to somebody else. You get it from me. You give it to somebody else. And you, and you clarify and you, and you expose the lies and you, and you, and you substitute it with, for it with the truth. That's, that's just the only way I can explain it. And, and, does the messaging get stale? If you are a full-on die-hard listener, first of all, that makes you one of my regulars, and that means I love you. Thank you. If you listen to me every day, chances are you hear redundancy. You hear things again and again and again that I've already said before, and it might get stale for you, but you have to understand it's not by, by because I don't have anything fresh. It's because it was important enough to repeat for people who didn't hear it the first time. I've got new people turning on the radio every day. So does Molly. You got new people maybe had never even heard of WHK until she saw me on a, on a social media post or something like that and said, I'm going to tune that in. That person just turned it on, and there's Molly Smith giving information that maybe they had never heard before in, exp- in manners of explanation that they have never received before. You see what I'm saying? Part of the success of radio is redundancy and, and, and repetition and frequency of message. It's why we run commercials multiple times for the same thing, saying the same things, because n- not for you. You've already heard it. You already get it. You already know what to do. You already know what the off- offers and opportunities are, but what people are just turning it on for the first time and never heard it before. Those are the people we're trying to reach, just like you heard it for the first time sometime. That's the best way I can explain it. And I really wanted to be sincere in my explanation about that because I respect her point. I do. Joanne, and thank you. God bless you. Uh, I love my regulars. I think of, um, I remember Cheers one time. One of my favorite shows from the 80s was Cheers. And I don't remember what the conundrum was with Sam or Diane or whatever it was, but Sam said to somebody, man, this is my bar. If I lose my regulars, I lose my bar. You can't count on newbies coming through the door and buying drinks all the time. You have to have regulars. Same thing with radio. I love my regulars. My regular listeners, my frequent callers, all-the-time callers, you guys are the backbone of the show, and I appreciate you very, very much. Uh, Charlie in Brownville. Charlie, you're on AM 1420, The Answer, and you're a hey, regular. Bob. You're one of my regulars, so thank you, Charlie. Go yep, ahead, Bob. I'm a regular listener, regular caller. No one, you, you're going to stand in front of God with clean hands. No one has done more for this issue that I know of than you, and I really thank you for it. 
Well, uh, I, I think that's that that is that is a praise for which I am unworthy um, uh, because I don't think that's true. I think people like Molly and I think people are outright to life. And I think all the people who protect women, Ohio, and the people who have dedicated their lives for the last several months, pretty much 24 seven to this did incredible work. Uh, but but yes, it was a team effort. And unfortunately, uh, it wasn't enough. And we have to continue that work now going forward. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, all I'm saying is that I, I don't think you could have done any more. You really, you laid it out there. That's right. And, and I'm looking at this issue. This issue is not just life over death. It is. It, it really is sex over life. People want sex without consequences. That's what they think is progress. You know, and that that it's become barbaric. This is barbaric, barbarism. But I'm looking at. You know, I've spent my whole life doing this Operation Rescue. I've been. 40 years doing pro-life stuff, and a lot of it was just wiped away. And I could be depressed, but I'm going to keep fighting. And I'm wondering, if we get more Supreme Court justices on there, can they bestow human rights to the unborn? Can it become a civil right, and then, then you're killing a person, a personhood? Is that possible? And then also, how close are we scientifically to being able to gestate babies outside the womb? Because if that happens, then we don't have to worry about it. I mean, it was, you know, we just could raise the baby outside of the womb. What do you think? Well, those are a couple of really, really deep things that we could speak probably for hours on, Charlie. So I'll say thank you for the call, and I'll answer both of them as briefly as I can. The first one, we already have human rights for human beings uh, and the right to life. Uh, the Supreme Court has already determined that, and the Supreme Court has also determined uh, that um, taking of a life is, and, and not that the Supreme Court needed to do this, this is already, of course, law, but the taking of life is indeed against um, the criminal code in, in the United States of America and every single state. The issue of whether or not the unborn life is qualifies as a life or the preborn life qualifies as a life is what has been debated for the last five decades since Roe. Do the, does the child who is pre-born have the right to life and the right to be born? And obviously through Roe, that answer was no. When they rolled back Roe with Dobbs, that answer became closer to being yes. Will there ever be a time when the Supreme Court can declare that every life pre-born and post-born uh, must be protected under all circumstances? Chances are very, very slim. Very, very slim. So that that's the first one. The second one, God, I hope not. There are scientific labs right now experimenting with artificial wombs where babies can be designed uh, through certain types of DNA and certain types of gene manipulation and so forth, and they can basically implant an embryo into an artificial womb and grow a child outside of a mother, but grow a child in literally you know, a test tube expanded to a Petri dish, expanded to some sort of, like I said, artificial womb-type structure. I've seen them. They're clear. It is grotesque. It is grotesque, and I hope to God it never does come to pass. Um, we are what we're talking about there is the severe threat of transhumanism. Did I say we could talk about this for hours? We could. I, I'd probably get Patrick Wood on about this, but that's transhumanism when we are using science and technology to try to merge it and meld it with human beings to try to create lab rats essentially uh, uh, and, and and call them human beings. No, uh, human beings grow inside of their mothers. Human beings 
and embryos develop when sperm meets egg and is indeed carried inside of the mother. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way God intended it to be. And if we go screwing around here by trying to create little test tube people, um, I think the wrath of God is going to come down on us faster than it will even for voting the way we did yesterday in the state of Ohio. Andy is in uh, Middleburg. Andy, go ahead. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Uh, I, I don't know how you control yourself. Do you have a seatbelt where you are <laughs> after that? After Tony was on the phone? That is one sick individual, you know, and I don't know Tony, but that is one sick individual who thinks that way. I, I just can't believe. And, and the other thing, you know, Bob, I'm old. I'm 82 years old. I was sitting at the table the other morning just having a, a, a cup of coffee and, and a roll, and you had that doctor on that explained an abortion. Mm-hmm. At my age, I did not realize what went on in an abortion, and I, I admit it. I to tell you, the abortion is that, okay, that's done. I, I just never paid attention. I almost threw up. <clears throat> when, he, when he was explaining, they're pulling parts out piece by piece, laying them on the table to make sure they got all the parts there, mm-hmm. or else the lady will have an infection. I get that. Wake that lady up and make her look at that. Make her look at what she did. That's that's murder. I don't care about anybody or anything. That's that's murder. And how and I I couldn't sleep that night. Bob, you know, and things don't usually bother me, but I couldn't sleep. All I keep seeing is 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 a a visioning of what that doctor said they do. And there was another article on last night on Pastor Ernie. And they said that their doctor was saying that he did abortions and he pulled the baby's head out and the eyes were open on, on the baby's head and he was still pulling parts out of it. I'm going, this is sick. Yeah. This is a sick God. Well, Andy, I, you know, Andy, let me, I, let me sorry, respond. To, sorry, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. And I appreciate your call. God bless you. Thank you for the call and for the, for the, for the compliments. Um, that's why Tony's call was important to take, and I wanted to have the conversation with him, and I wish he hadn't hung up. He just needed to have a back and forth and not a scream over me while I was trying to ask him very direct, pointed questions. He doesn't like the words kill. He doesn't like the words murder. Um, the reason we need to use the words kill and murder, and the reason we need to have descriptions, specific descriptions of of how the abortion procedure is done. For example, in that case that you're talking about, it was they were talking about a second trimester abortion. It would get far more grotesque if we described a third trimester abortion. The first trimester abortion is a little bit less cringy because they use pretty much the suction to pull the baby apart one by one, and it just all goes through that little tube that he displayed. Uh, but he said when you get into the second trimester and you get up around 20 weeks, uh, the, the, the parts are too big. You can't, you can't suck them through a tube, so you've got to cut them apart in the, utero, in the uterus with the sofa clamp and so forth. We need to hear those things for the same reason we needed to see the damn planes hit the towers. We need to use the words kill and murder to describe what is really going on here for the same reasons we needed to see the jumpers from the 87th floor of the World Trade Center. If we don't see horror for what it is, we will not be motivated to stop it, to respond to it. That's why it was so incredibly important for us to see the horrors of what happened on October 7th in Israel. You need to know what was done to those babies. You need to know what was done to those women. You need to know what was done to those older people, these elderly Jews who were just 
tortured and killed in barbaric ways and videotaped. You need to see those tapes. Ben Shapiro came out with them the next day. And he said, I don't want to have to show you this, but I literally have to show you this. It's, it's, it's necessary. If you don't see what a Holocaust looks like, the actual Holocaust from 1939 to 1945, and now the newer versions of it, if you don't see it, you will not be sufficiently, righteously outraged into combating it. And that's how it is with these procedures. And yes, we do need to call it murder. Is that inflamed language helping us win elections and win battles over issues like abortion on, on referendums? No, it's not. We're losing. We're losing big. But but pretending it's not barbarism and savagery and ripping apart of bodies isn't going to help us win the elections either. Americans are addicted to their love of, of convenience. That's why ovens became, went from the big stove where you heated everything up to the microwave. I can do it in 30 seconds. That's why getting out of the car and going into the restaurant, which takes too doggone long, was replaced by the drive-thru. We are addicted to convenience. And it's kind of, kind of difficult if you're going to lead an active sex life with multiple partners unprotected, it's kind of difficult to make sure that you're doing it at a time when you're not going to be ovulating and you might not, and, and, and when, so that you can't become impregnated. It's a hell of a lot more convenient to say, oops, slipped one by the goalie. I'm pregnant now. I'm going to go take care of this. It's convenient. Abortion pills, abortion procedures. We're addicted to convenience, and I am convinced that that is as much of a part of the problem is anything. Americans are lazy and indifferent, and whatever makes things easier and more convenient for them are preferred. That's part of the reason why Americans are addicted to abortion. Significant entertainment releases of the decade. Kimberly Adams, Bloomberg Radio. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France. The answer. All right, we do continue now on AM 1420, The Answer. i uh, got one more segment to go. We'll get a few more phone calls in here, 216-901-0945 and 888 But I do want to remind you, too, that there is a, a very uh, interesting event tonight that I'm happy to be a part of. Congressman Max Miller is having a, uh, a uh, telephone town hall. And you can be a part of it if you would like to be. I'm going to be moderating it, essentially, kind of just being the go-between between the callers who are calling to ask uh, the congressman questions about what's going on in the district or what's going on in uh, uh, in Washington, D.C., that are of matters of interest uh, to uh, uh, to the constituents. So that'll be at 6 p.m. tonight. And I'm looking for that phone number again. And unfortunately, I don't know if I can find it at the moment. I'll try to get that for you before we sign off here in a few minutes. But uh, if you want to be a part of that... Um, Telephone town hall with Max Miller. I'm sure he would love to have you, especially if you are in the district. But even just as a resident of the state of Ohio, uh, you know, of course, he's going to welcome your input and your questions. So let me see if I have the phone number here just super quick um, on uh, Congressman Miller's page. Yeah, I'll look for it. I'll look for it. But let's talk to Karen in uh, Richfield. I don't know if I'm in the right order here or not. Karen in Richfield. Go ahead, Karen. 
Bob, people like Tony, who won't use the word kill and murder as it relates to abortion, are the exact same people who call the baby murderers of Hamas freedom fighters. But that's not what I called you about. I think what you had a really important message from Kaylee McEnany this morning about the fact that we cannot keep doing the same thing, taking the same approach and expecting different results when it comes to abortion issues. And we need to, like, brainstorm all the different possibilities, of different messages we could use that would be more effective. And I think a couple of them are, number one, we need to educate people that scientific tests have proven that women who get abortions are 40% more likely to get breast cancer. Well, why is that? Well, it's easy. If you, Every time you wanted to turn off your computer, you just unplugged it, it would not shut down properly. You have computer problems. It makes sense. Same thing with a woman. Her body is preparing to give birth and nurture a child. When you rip it out without notice, the body does not have the chance to properly process or shut down as it would during, say, a normal miscarriage or continue processing after a birth. That's an important message. You're 40% more likely to get breast cancer if you get an abortion. That's something women should know. People who care about women should be sharing that message. The other thing is Planned Parenthood. Why does Planned Parenthood charge women for abortions when they make millions of dollars selling those baby parts? Why? Why don't we challenge that? Why don't we say, how can you charge these women to get this thing done? You sell their baby parts, you make all this money, and then you have to pay us to do it too and to have all the, endure all the risks that are affiliated with abortion. Why don't we cheer those messages? There's got to be a million well, more out there. Well, I'll tell you what. Right. I'll tell you, and thank you, Karen, for the phone call. Uh, your first part is spot on, by the way. Your language wasn't scientific when you talk about unplugging a computer and then just ripping a baby out, but your message was spot on. You're right. The body simply does. I, I mean, I'm not a doctor either, but it is common sense. The body has a very, very averse reaction to having its natural functions being interrupted in such ways. To your second part, um, I'm reminded of uh, Montgomery Burns from when I used to like The Simpsons, like the first 10 seasons or so. One of my favorite episodes, when Homer Simpson tells Mr. Burns, the richest man in town, he said, he said, Mr. Burns, you're the richest man I know. And he said, yes, yes, but I would trade it all for a little bit more. That's why they charge women and then they sell the body parts. Greedy, evil people who make millions of dollars doing bad things want nothing more than more millions of dollars. That's why. Chuck in Cleveland next. Hi, Chuck. Go ahead. Good morning, Pop. Good morning, Chuck. Uh, I have one take, you know, make it short and sweet. If you could fix a presidential election, how hard would it be to fix a state election? Um, it, probably not very. I mean, this, and thank you for the call. The, the same kind of principles apply. Um, the, the, the possibilities are there depending on machines and so on and so forth. But I don't think the election was fixed. I don't think we lost the, by the big margin we did at this time any more than we did in August. I think it was because, again, we're being outspent and there is a thirst and a hunger for things that are convenient in this country, including abortion. There is a very, and there's an anger and a rage that is driving. Uh, so many of those people who were, you know, livid when Roe was uh, was overturned in the Dobbs decision, uh, that they were going to make sure that when they reinstitute new abortion rights as they saw them, they were going to make them more extreme than ever, basically to punish us. And that's what happened. Uh, and there's a lot of them, unfortunately. 
Uh, thank you, Chuck. Appreciate it. TJ, next. Hi, TJ. Yeah, you know, Bob, if a drunk driver kills a pregnant woman, the law, the government, charges that driver with a double vehicular homicide. Now, if an abortion doctor kills that same baby, that's not considered a human being. Now, that's a real conundrum, and that's something that I think the government's going to have to clarify in the future. Is this a human or isn't it? You can't have it both ways. Well, you know, they, they, that's, that's literally the, the, the worst part about this, the most typical, hypocritical part about this. If a pregnant woman is killed in a car crash, you're right, there'll be two counts of vehicular homicide. But if that same pregnant woman was on her way to an abortion clinic to have that baby removed, it is absolutely okay, and it is not considered a life. It is the ultimate hypocrisy that life and human being personhood status is conferred upon an unborn child solely by the woman's intention. If she wants to have an abortion, it's not a life. If she did want to keep the baby and somebody kills that baby, or her and that baby, it's a double homicide. So it is the ultimate in hypocrisy. And thank you for the call, my friend. And this is what we tried to do with this, you know, with the heartbeat law. When the heartbeat is present, we now recognize it is a different body and a different life than the mother's. The mother has a life and the child has a life. What the mother's intention with that that baby is no longer is valid. Any more than the mother after delivering birth isn't allowed, or delivering the baby, isn't allowed to go and flush that baby down a toilet or leave it in a dumpster or something else. The mother's intention is erased when you have a heartbeat law. When that heartbeat can be detected, that baby is now living on its own or with its own. It's not living on its own. It's dependent upon the mother, which, of course, is one of the other things that they use. I don't want to get into all of the nuts and bolts about how wrong that is. Lots of human beings would not be alive if they weren't dependent on other things and other people, including a a newborn. Guess what? A newborn baby that's laying in a crib cannot live on its own. It can't go make its own food. It can't eat itself. Can't, it can't eat for itself. It can't uh, uh, give itself nourishment and so forth. It is reliant upon other people. The idea that the baby, if it's dependent on the mother that it is living inside, uh, doesn't have its own rights because of that dependency is just completely ridiculous. Uh, but the mother's intention is erased when there's a heartbeat law, which is exactly why it was the right thing to do when we passed it. It was the right thing to do when Ron DeSantis got it done in Florida, and it's the right thing to do everywhere. But the reality is it is pushed back upon because most, well, apparently by by election results, far too many Americans are addicted to the convenience of abortion. Bill is in uh, Columbia Station. Bill, thank you for waiting. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I, uh, it was a dark day for us, too, at our household. Um, but uh, after a few hours of trying to wonder what's going to happen next, one thought I had was that I think there's a possible way we can turn this around on the, uh, on the abortionist people by using uh, their own wording. And that has to do with the concept of the viabil- determination of viability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if we can put... Um, the onus on the doctors legally to prove on every case the non-viability of the baby, put parameters, data. There's tons of data out there uh, and require documentation, have a strict means of monitoring it through local boards and state boards, and they have strict uh, consequences for the doctors. Um, and we can use some of the Democrats' uh, uh, 
ways in the past by putting tons of paperwork and reporting responsibilities on them and have really monitoring uh, requirements that really work and put the pressure on the doctors. And if they're, uh, I mean, we're doing what, 620,000 abortions a year, uh, it's unreasonable to, to think that uh, not even half of them. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.